0: T Wolves bounced back strong and snapped their two game losing streak in Washington, 118 107. And I got Wolves expert, Jack Borman. He's going to help us break it all down. It's all coming up next on the Lockdown Wolves Postcast. You are Locked On Wolves Postcast,
1: part of Locked On Minnesota on the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every
0: day. What's up? What's up? Back in the lab, back at it. Another T-Wolves postcast episode right here on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota Network. You got myself, Luke Inman, at Luke underscore Spinman. See that? That's the man, Jack Borman, on Twitter, at Jr Borman13. And Jack, before we get into all the action, quick reminder, tonight's episode brought to you by Fanduel. Make every moment more with America's number one sportsbook and official sportsbook partner, the NBA. Right now, new customers, you're getting $150 in bonus bets with any five dollar bet. $150 when you bet just five. Check it all out. Visit fanduel.com slash lockdown NBA. All right, man. Uh, It was just the uh, second two-game losing streak for the Wolves all season. I know we'll dive into Monday's game just a little bit. I know you and I haven't talked quite yet, and it's still kind of fresh on people's minds. That was the buzz around town the last few nights. Um, Wolves come into the first half tonight, though, shooting a putrid, I want to say it was 36% going into the locker room, but luckily... Uh, they were able to cash in on a just a multitude of sloppy turnovers by the wizards 16 to 2 advantage and it's kind of scary to think what this game would have looked like without that just because they were so ice cold from the floor on top of missing you know easy layups left and right too so If ice cold shooting was the bad, I guess the good was finally having a game where they crushed the turnover battle for once, which is something we've just been banging the table for all year. But you tell us, Jack, give us your your big takeaways. And I guess what a win like this means for the Wolves team that eh, maybe seemed to lose their mojo and swag just a little bit the past two games.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I think I, you, you hit the two things right there. Uh, you know, the first one for me was, uh, you know, obviously they, they just missed a lot of shots tonight, right? I yeah. mean, the Timberwolves tonight uh, ended up getting it up above 40%. They are 42 of 100, nice and easy uh, math there, 42%. Uh, they were just 28% from three, um, one of their, you know, one of their worst three-point shooting games of the season. Um, but they really made up for it. Uh, but on the offensive glass. Um, they had 15 offensive rebounds, 19 mm-hmm. second chance points. Uh Rudy Gobert had almost half of those. Um, he had seven offensive rebounds, um, which was uh awesome. His his activity in the second quarter, especially on the offensive glass, uh, I thought it really helped keep them in the game. He had uh in the second quarter alone, he had 10 points, uh, four rebounds, three of them were more offensive. He made all four of his free throws and, and had a block in there too. And I thought that. You know, his play really set them up to to kind of take control of everything in the second half but um but yeah uh, again 19 points on 14 second chance points possessions it's an offensive rating of about 136 um which is tremendous um you know the, I, I want to say the you know, the league average offensive rating is like 117 118 so really above average there and, and on all their other possessions so they had 14 second chance possessions 95 other possessions um and they scored 99 points on those 95 other possessions. Offensive rating of 104, which is pretty poor. Um, but again, Wolves did a great job of, of kind of flexing their size inside. They had 60 uh, points in the paint uh, as the ninth time this season they hit that mark. Uh, they're eight and one now when they uh, score 60 points or more in the paint, which was awesome. Um, and, and again, when you just look at the two bigs, right? I mean, two bigs. Carl had 27. Uh, had you know nine of nine of his 11 made field goals came came inside and then Rudy had 19, I mean, 48 points between the two of those is uh, pretty darn good. Uh, exactly what you want uh, against a team that plays small. Um, and and then, you know, defense to offense, like you said, uh, again, being able to score 32 points off at of 21 turnovers on a night, you're not making a lot of shots. That's pretty good. And and a lot of those 32 came, came at the free throw line, um, which was, which was also great to see, um, you know, to see Anthony Edwards shoot 14 free throws again Yes. Um, pretty Love good that. you know 11 11th, 11th game this season he shot at least 10 free throws uh the seventh since christmas um and that was important i mean because his shot wasn't really there in, in the first half but um yeah and then 17 fast break points for the wolves uh that was their most in the last eight games uh which was which was really important and then you know to be honest with you like some of their short mid-range misses honestly kind of function like turnovers with the way that the wolves are just able to grab it and go off the glass um you know, if if someone really did a deep dive study and re- watched all the film, I'd venture to guess that a lot of the wolves, um, you know, past breakpoints that, that that aren't coming off turnovers come off those mid range misses. And hmm. um, you know, we we talked about it a lot here, but again tonight, Washington was nine of thirty six on mid range shots, twenty five percent. They were twenty eight of forty one, almost seventy percent on hmm. shots that either came at the rim or from beyond the arc. Wow. So, wow. um, the wolves did a really good job of. You know, of, of making sure that the mid-range shot took, took you know, almost 50 percent of that shot profile, um, which was which is really important against the Wizards team um, that I believe is third uh, in, in terms of their um, efficiency at the rim. So being able to, to keep them short of the rim and force them to take mid-range shots was great um, and, and really helped kind of get them out and going in the pass in the break.
0: I'm not going to call it scary, but heading into tonight, you got a similar situation we had to Monday in the sense that, okay, on paper, you're playing a team that doesn't even have double digit wins. You're the heavy favorite. And then you find out Mike Conley's not playing again. And all of a sudden you start to maybe mentally prepare for a closer game than should be expected. And then you added the fact and I didn't know this, but the Wolves had lost seven in a row to Washington and they were four and 10 in their last 14 versus the wizards. And you just start to, as a wolves fan, right? Muscle memory, start to psych yourself up a little bit. Um, I don't want this to sound oversimplified because I know there's a lot of variables to the whole thing. And I know it's not as straightforward as maybe it's going to come out, but no Mike Conley Monday. And I mean, call a spade a spade. They looked absolutely lost at times and they lose to a nine win team. Then no Conley tonight. And again, without the Wizards gift wrapping you a million turnovers, there was there was their fair share of moments there where it just didn't look like the same team we're used to watching this year. So uh, process of elimination, call it whatever you want. Wouldn't that mean Mike Conley is a massive piece of the puzzle that kind of makes the engine go right now? And and before you answer that, I'm just going to state the obvious again in the fact that until they traded for Conley last year, they were losing the same types of games they did Monday to the same types of teams they had really absolutely no business losing to. So, I, I mean, help me out. Break it down for me. What's the deal? Is it is he like the one adult babysitter on the court they need? Or how do you explain that dynamic that Mike Conley gives this Wolves team?
1: Yeah, I think that Mike Conley is a really good organizer and and he's played mm-hmm. in this league a long time. So he's played uh, uh, in plenty of games where his team has come back and won in the fourth quarter. He's played on plenty of teams where they've blown it in the fourth quarter. He's played on plenty of teams that have had a lead in the fourth quarter and extended it uh, to the finish line. Uh, and so, you know, he's played in all these these types of games. Uh, kind of knows now. He's been on the team for a year, um, you know, a full calendar year now almost, and, and knows what all these guys like to do, where they like to have the ball, uh, where they like to shoot it, drive it from, you know, all these types of things. And, and the other part of Mike Conley that's pretty damn important too. Mike Conley is like a fifty percent catch and shoot three point shooter this season.
0: Wow, uh, which is elite. Is, is so that I, one I, of his career highs? I, I mean, has he's he he's, he's honestly
1: been a he's honestly been a tremendous catch and okay. shoot three point guy for really the last handful of years as he's gotten older. But I believe it is his his career best year. Um, and, and so honestly, like they just missed that element of Mike Conley too. I think everyone talks about the turnovers as these this huge problem. You go back and look at at the game against Boston. Like they only had like eight turnovers that whole game. If you look at the game against Charlotte, they only had two turnovers in the fourth quarter. And, and it, OKC was really the only fourth quarter meltdown I thought that was really a sure. turnover laden issue. And Mike was part of the problem. I mean, they had seven turnovers in the fourth yeah. quarter that became eight Thunder points. But that's fair. Yep. So I think I honestly think that having Mike as an outlet as a shooter uh, has been pretty important because Mike, I believe, is taking more threes kind of as the game progresses this season. Um, And so, you know, I I think also the the Timberwolves, like when things start to go bad, they just get it to a guy and Mike who they, you know, can just trust to make the right play with the ball in his hands, you know, far more often than not. And uh, when they don't, I think maybe they've gotten a little too reliant upon him uh, in that department. And so when he's not there, I think it becomes a little bit more helter skelter, cat or ant kind of saying, "Oh well, I feel like I got to make a play now that little that Mike's hero not ball here.
0: going on there." Yeah,
1: and I yeah. honestly think that like you know Finch being willing to put Jordan McLaughlin in the game as long as the other team isn't a huge team uh, is something that you know that I would have liked to see a little bit of at least in that Charlotte game. Um, but again, like, you, you know, Nikhil Alexander Walker has been awesome, uh, you know, especially defensively. And I, and I think, uh, when, when you're playing defense, the way that you were, uh, in that game specifically, you're kind of hoping that having Nah and Jaden out there at the same, and Kyle Anderson too, when he was playing offense, defense for cat, you know, having those three guys out there at the same time could have at least stemmed the tide defensively. Uh, but that didn't happen. And, and so I, I honestly thought that the defense was much more of a problem against charlotte in the offense like yes obviously you want to make more shots yes you you want to you know kind of have those guys abandon their chase for 70 or whatever they wanted to get carl uh earlier in that game um but again tonight you know i think it was just more of a function of uh ant just kind of played hero ball a little bit right and, and so you know what we all love ant hero ball when their shots are going in but when the shots aren't going in you know you turn it over a couple times like you did um it just doesn't look as great. And, and so, uh, you know, credit to Washington, too. In that third quarter, uh, they played a zone and the Wolves scored on three of their four possessions against the zone. Uh, and then they went back to a man to a man and the Wolves kind of struggled a little bit. And so uh, they, they did a good job of kind of throwing some different looks at the Wolves, um, you know, defensively, which I think made it a little difficult. But the Wolves also just missed shots in the fourth quarter, missed some open shots. Uh, but again, did a great job crashing the glass, getting downhill, getting to the free throw line to help kind of get this one to the to the finish line.
0: Yeah, well said. That makes a lot of sense, too, by the way. Great breakdown there. Uh, 29th double-double of the season by Rudy tonight. He finishes with 19 points, 16 boards, as you mentioned. So just another great game by him down low. And we just talked about not having Conley, maybe his veteran presence out on the court, offensive shooting once in a while. Without Rudy tonight, it almost felt like they would have been down double digits at half and would have had to battle and claw their way back. I know you already touched on some of the stats and the analytics, but I guess talk to us a little bit more about his play tonight, a little bit more in depth and just, you know, what he's doing for this team on both ends of the court right now. Yeah, I think the biggest thing for Rudy is he makes everything tough
1: on the offensive, or the, yes. well, I guess the offensive glass while the Wolves are on offense, but the Mimics are really difficult for opposing teams to to collect defensive rebounds. And that kind of wears on you over time, right? Because if, if you know, other guys and the Wolves are kind of realizing that, you know, the Wizards are now devoting two or three guys to try to keep Rudy off the offensive glass. It creates opportunities for guys like Nikhil Alexander-Walker um, to kind of crash from the corner a little bit and, and get offensive rebounds. And so when that happens, um, you know, it, it, it tends to lead to good things, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, had one offensive rebound tonight. It was in the third quarter. Um, and it, it was after an Anthony Edwards missed three because two or three guys were were on Gobert, got the rebound, kicked it right back out to Ant. Ant made the three, um, to to get the wolves back up in front. And and that was kind of you know the the play that I think that really kickstarted um the wolves kind of grabbing control of the game. And so uh it's just those little types of things that Gobert does that wears on you that can create these moments, these opportunities for. Um, other guys to make a play on the offensive glass that can help get the team going. And so um, not only does, does Rudy create all these open looks for Ant and open runways for Ant to get to the rim um, in pick and roll when he's setting screens, um, he's also a great, you know, off-ball screen setter, but uh, really it's just his offensive uh, activity uh, on the glass that just wears on a team and, uh, you know, uh, like I said, creates opportunities for the other guys to to come in and rebound and um, and then too, you know he draws fouls on those offensive rebound attempts as well. yeah, which is really important is you know team fouls that helps get the wolves in the bonus, which is great. Um, and was a huge reason why Daniel Gafford, their starting center, um, you know was in foul trouble and eventually fouled out of this game was just because of uh, what he was doing on the glass and made it really tough for tough for gafford. so um yeah. A, a great game for Rudy Gobert, uh, you know, tonight was the king of doing all the little things. And, um, and again, you know, like you said, another night where you like I said earlier, another night where Rudy Gobert's presence on the defensive end yes. causes a lot of Wizards yes. players to stop short of the rim, stay in that kind of four to 10 foot short mid range area. Um, and, and again, tonight, the Wizards ended up taking 26 shots from four to 14 feet, Mm. they made 7 of those 27% you will take that every single time every single time a team shoots you know more of those little short mid-range shots than shots at the rim that's important because Washington made 18 of their 19 shots at the rim tonight <laughs> 95% so um yeah but but again when when Gobert was on the floor they they were not getting to the rim quite as much so um uh, a, a great game great game for rudy tonight
0: plenty more deep dive from this one including possible trade scenarios before the deadline and that's all coming up next quick reminder tonight's episode brought to you by better help what are some things you want to keep the same about yourself or about your life in 2024 where are you already crushing it try ditching the new year's resolutions and start expanding on what you already do right maybe that's Organizing the closet of the garage. I know that's something that I'm just terrible about. Well, therapy can help you find your best strengths and maximize your own specific skill sets. So you can finally ditch the extreme resolutions. Instead, therapy can help you make changes that really stick over the long-term once and for all. If you've been thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited for your time frame. And it's so easy. All you got to do, Fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time at no additional charge. It's time to start celebrating the progress you've already made. Visit BetterHelp.com slash NBA to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash nba. Okay, what else just kind of did you observe tonight? Just combing through the box score. I mean, Ant, good bounce back game after going three for 11. Uh, Cat followed his 62 uh, point, excuse me, 62 point night up with 27 and six there. Already talked about Rudy. Nas starting again for Mike Conley tonight. Not the 18 points we got on Monday. But he put up, what, six points there last night. Uh, Bench didn't really get a ton back-to-back games from the bench again. I think he had a combined 15 points from them. Not really used to seeing that. Just what caught your eye, I guess, for good or bad, with any one of those other individual performances? Or who's just sticking out to you right now on this roster over the past few games? Because you mentioned McLaughlin. He's just been a a breath of fresh air, man, for me, i got to say. But you tell me, who's sticking out?
1: He really has, uh, but but I thought Carl Anthony Towns um, bounced back really nicely in in the yeah. second half after a he did. pretty mediocre first half. Um, you know, I, I think he was he was trying to find the right balance of, of how to assert himself in on the game without uh, you know just chucking or, or you know taking some poor shots to try to get into a rhythm. I thought he did a great job of just kind of letting the game come to him in the second half. Right, so he only had six points on three of ten shooting uh, in the first half, but. Um, You know, did a great job in the second half of, uh, you know, just kind of, like I said, letting the game come to him. Uh, You know, he did a great job attacking off the dribble. Um, You know, again, in the third quarter, specifically, you want to look at what he did. He had 15 points on six of 10 shooting. He was six of eight from two, uh, which was really important. Uh, He he didn't commit any offensive fouls. Um, He didn't have any turnovers while, you know, a lot of his work came uh, while he was driving or in post-up situations where, where a lot of his, his offensive fouls and turnovers have come. So it was nice for him to, you know, really effectively use his strength um, without fouling. Um, and then finishing strong inside uh, was was really important for for Carl. Um, and so ended up having 15 points, like I said, in that third quarter and was really key to the, to the Timberwolves kind of finding a rhythm. Um, and, and then, you know, as a result of that, the Wizards then tried to play a zone uh, which, you know, then we got Kyle Anderson in the middle of the zone and, and kind of dice things up. And, uh, and that was just really helpful, I think, to help get other guys going like Jen McDaniels kind of, uh, you know, kind of did the equivalent of, of when, uh, you know, a, you know, a guy kind of at the lake is thrown this huge wake and you just kind of ride the waves mm-hmm. behind it. Um, you know, doing, did a great job just kind of, Having two points here, two points there, to kind of you know help turn a little four zero run into a six zero run, or or make a, a make a five point lead, a seven point lead, things like that. So uh, for Carl to have twenty one points on eight to twelve field goals in the second half with no turnovers um, is about as good as you can get uh, from Carl, especially when he's not turning it over and he's taking most of his shots from inside the three point line. That's that's always a great thing. Um, and then the one other note that I had. Or, or I guess with Carl specifically, I thought it was really great to see, um, you know, really great to see Carl kind of take over in the third, and then when he when he went to the bench at the start of the fourth quarter to see Ant uh, kind of assert himself and, and and make plays happen, I thought was was really good that the Timberwolves could kind of have one kind of lead dog scorer out there at, at all times it was really helpful after Ant uh, went to the went to the bench in the third quarter with the foul trouble um but yeah i mean and then the the other point that, that you mentioned that that i'd written down here that i wanted to talk about a little bit and can kind of segue into to uh what we want to talk about with the, the trade deadline coming up here in a couple of weeks is mm-hmm. um you know the timberwolves only had 15 bench points and, and for them to lose 44-15 um to a team that really you know doesn't have a whole lot of better bench scoring options than the wolves do um you know Cory Kispert's a guy that can can light it up and kind of get going from 3 but he only had seven points tonight. I mean, Marvin Bagley—they just traded for him a few days ago, uh, maybe three, four games ago. Uh, he's been—he's been awesome uh, for them since he arrived. I mean, he had 17 points and seven of eight shooting to go along with 15 rebounds, and he, and he could add a lot more. I mean, he was three of eight from the free throw line. Um, I mean, Marvin Bagley outscored the Wolves' bench by himself. Um, yes. Nas Reed and Shake Milton just saw that comment come up about about Shake. Um, you know, seven points on, on three of fourteen shooting. Um, that's anytime you have twice as many attempts as points, um, or shot attempts as points, you're you're doing something wrong. Um, well, what's again, a guy like
0: Bagley go for? It? What's like market value for a guy like Marvin I mean, Bagley? Would you get Marvin guessed? Bagley
1: went for like an expiring contract in a second round pick or something like that? Oh, okay, um, okay. But it so. was really just kind of swapping, ch- you know, deck chairs on the Titanic for both of these teams. It was more, <laughs> I, I think it was more that, that Detroit was looking to get off of long term money. Um, for sure. Okay. And and so, you know, that obviously was was part of the calculus there. But um yeah, I, I think you know Shake Milton has been in the game. Obviously, Mike Conley wasn't there, so he was kind of taking some of those rotation minutes from Conley. But I'm also I also don't think it's a coincidence that Mike Conley has missed a couple of games. Um, you know, now that the trade deadline is is a few weeks away. Um in, in part because I think the wolves are trying to give a little bit more run to shake Milton to see if shake Milton, it, you know, can be, you know, what he was for the Sixers for four years um, here in Minnesota and it uh, hasn't worked out that way so far. Um, and, and I think, you know, if, if shake were to have played better, I'm not going to say that that would have changed their decision on whether they would move him or not move him, but maybe it, you know, can help, you know, nudge a team that, that you're trying to trade with and say, Hey, look, well, he's kind of finding a rhythm here. Sure. You know, maybe he sure. can continue that with, with your group, um you know things like that so um uh, jaden wants to know, what, think, what do you think
0: about tyus jaden wants to know about Ty. bring him home bring him back what do you think you, you
1: know i i obviously um you know i i you know i, I i've met tyus he's a, he's a great dude spent a little bit of time with him his aunt was the athletic director at my high school when i was in high school that's awesome. um has is, is a great family awesome guy really well like teammate, you know, would fit but, really well on this Wolves team. We, we feel the butt coming. But, um, you know, Tyus Jones is a guy that's going to probably going to command a first-round pick. Uh, and the Wolves don't have any available. Oh, wow. okay. um, and, the, and the other part of it, too, is that, you know, Tyus Jones would be a rental. Um, he, he would not resign in Minnesota, and that's not because, you know, he wouldn't want to be here. It's just because of the Wolves' financial situation; they just would not be able to uh, afford right. to resign both Mike Conley and, and Tyus Jones. And obviously, a player like Mike Conley, uh, at this right. stage, given what he's he's brought to the team, would 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 take precedence and priority there. So,
0: yeah, the um, money in the cap really limits your options there. I guess with those whole trade it scenarios, does. fun as fun as it is to sit here and drop some, you know, possible scenarios, things like that. Wolves really limited with not only the cap situation, but the draft pick, future draft pick situation as well. Just not a lot of ammo and assets to really wheel and deal right there. So that makes a lot of sense. Um, Quick look at the schedule and what's on deck moving forward. That's all coming up right after this. Quick reminder, tonight's episode brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more with America's number one sportsbook and official sportsbook partner of the NBA. Right now, new customers. You're getting $150 in bonus bets when you place any $5 wager. That's $150 in bonus bets when you throw down just $5 on any bet. You don't even have to win. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, no better time to get in on all the action. The app, oh my gosh, so easy to use, and they got everything you need. Money lines, parlays, prop bets, over, unders, you name it. They got it. FanDuel's got everything you need to bet on the entire NBA season. And it's by far the easiest and simplest betting app to use. Go check it out for yourself. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash today. America's number one sports book. FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. All right, schedule coming up now in the next few games. Nets, Spurs, OKC, those are all on the road. Then back at home for three straight, Mavs, Magic, and the Rockets. So obviously, you know, that OKC rematch, that's the one everyone's got circled. But bigger picture, what are you looking for here? What needs to happen if you're the Wolves over this next six-game stretch outside of just let's get Mike Conley back and start fine-tuning the defense a little bit more? What do you think?
1: Yeah, honestly, for me, I just think it's finding consistent production off the bench. Um, Yeah, you know, I think we're going to see some tinkering uh, ahead of the the trade deadline. Um, You know, I I think it's it's pretty clear that the Wolves are going to try to try to trade Shake Milton here um, and see what they can then connect with Shake Milton in some seconds. Um, You know, we can float out a couple names if we want to, but um, for me, that's the most important thing. Like we we've seen enough of this defense to this point where we know that it's elite. We know what it's capable of doing. And this is generally the time of the season where you see really elite defensive teams kind of slip a little bit um, just because it's really hard to win with just, you know, smash mouth defense um, for all 82 games. Right. And so, um, you know, I think about the NFL, even the best defenses in the NFL, right. Are going to have a one, two week stretch where guys kind of are banged up. They struggle, they get torched um, and then kind of lock back in once you, you know, find that, that Thanksgiving ish time. Right. And so, um same same thing here and uh again not really worried about the defense you just want to be able to see the offense kind of pick up some of the slack and for me it's it's not all that much about the starters right i, I think it's more about um the bench unit right you know finding more you know, consistent run for jordan mclaughlin because when jordan mclaughlin's in the game more i i think you know good things tend to happen the ball tends to move more nas tends to play a little bit better um you know kyle anderson uh as well kind of kind of frees him up to um you know not have the ball in his hands quite so much and impact the game a little bit more as a screen setter and a cutter uh which i like um so and honestly too like i would i would love to see more troy brown jr I you know i I don't really think that troy brown jr has done anything really wrong to warrant him not playing very many minutes i i think he's a He's a really, you know, useful rotation player earlier in the season for the Timberwolves. Really useful for the for the Lakers last season, and so I'd like to see him, you know, give more run as a guy that, um, you know, obviously isn't going to bring you, you know, Kyle Anderson level defense, but is a guy that could, you know, help space the floor, score a few more points. On nights when your defense isn't there and, and kyle may not you know have his his a game defensively just just see you know let him loose say hey man go go take three four shots see what happens and um and just kind of let it rip so uh, that'll be that'll be fun uh to see hopefully but but yeah it's all about offense and and continuing to try to find some some consistency off the bench here and and if they don't then you know tim connolly's got his work cut out for him ahead of the, the trade deadline which is uh two weeks from tomorrow so
0: Uh, Last one, need your quick 30, 60 seconds at the most on Cats record-setting night Monday. 62 points, 44 in the first half. Starts the game 8 for 8 from 3. Target center was just on fire. And now he's one of six NBA players to have multiple 60-point games in their career. Absolutely unbelievable. Forget about the loss just for a minute and tell us how truly special that was. Because, dude, when you're a fan of one specific team like we are, you just don't get to see that more than a few times in your entire life if you're lucky. So, how do he do it? And just how talented and special is that dude?
1: Yeah, I, I was really pleased that the first three quarters he had 58 points, obviously, which is incredible, but all right. of it seemingly came within the flow of the offense. Like there weren't that many of his shots in the first half. Obviously, scoring 44 in the first half, most in the, you know, shot tracking play by play era, almost, you know, going back almost 30 years. Um, was awesome but he had not a lot of forced not a lot of forcing it It was just kind of getting the ball to him in spots where he's really successful obviously made eight threes in the first half was awesome uh was eight for eight um but but i think the fact that all of it came within the flow he was aggressive he was spacing the floor uh he he really started with his three-point shooting and then you know got on the block and it was just a, a situation where the hornets didn't have anybody that could guard him right and uh and you just took full advantage. It was kind of the same script as, as what happened in the, uh, as what happened in the Spurs game last year. Um, You know, he didn't have a 32 point quarter like he did last year against the Spurs, which is awesome. But um, yeah, it was just really sustained in in, in rhythm success. And then we kind of saw it happen in the fourth quarter, but um, I don't blame those guys one bit for what happened. I talked about that on the basketball party today. Um, You know, if you're looking for someone to get all mad and up in arms that the Timberwolves lost that game, I'm not that guy. Uh, I was thoroughly entertained. <laughs> I get the it. NBA I get both is an sides. entertainment product. It's it. mid-January. Yeah. You know, guys are looking for reasons to have fun in these games or looking forward to the all-star break, you know, just a, a one-off. Like you said, you know, not many opportunities for you know us as fans to be able to watch a guy score 62, but also these teammates to help a guy, you know, keep feeding a guy and and help him, you know, have a historic scoring night like that i'm sure was you know a lot of fun for them too up until uh the fourth quarter
0: right uh well done tonight as always wolves bounce back snap the two game losing streak they beat washington 118 107 they moved to 31 and 13 on the year now tied with okc for the lead in the West. Wolves win tonight. OKC playing the Spurs. They're in the second quarter as we speak. Back on the road with the Nets tomorrow night to finish the back-to-back. Tip-off 6.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. And again, another rematch with OKC just three games away. As always, a huge shout-out to everyone that joined us in the postcast. Always love the feedback and comments after every game. And rest assured, we'll be back each and every game, same time, same place, right here to break it all down. And remember, go check out all Jack's work on Twitter, at Jack. JR. Borman, 13, and make sure you go check out him on the Minnesota Basketball Party, as mentioned with the full crew. You got Sam Ekstrom, Gophers legend Ron Johnson, Carol Evans, Reggie Wilson. That's each and every Wednesday afternoon. And if you haven't already, Ben Beacon, still ripping it up over on the Lockdown Wolves podcast each and every day, too. Hey, you mentioned the brand new Basketball Party episode dropped today. Can't wait to check it out. What's the big talkers? Give us a little quick tease before we get out of here.
1: Talked a lot about that Charlotte game for, for the people that are interested um, in, in that one and, and kind of talk too drew, drew some parallels between Carl Anthony Towns or and Joel Embiid and, and, and how they're similar, how they're different and kind of what's enabled Joel Embiid to to take this huge step forward as an MVP candidate and why you no know, cat hasn't necessarily been um, been able to get there.
0: So. Love it, love it. Make sure to check that out each and every Wednesday afternoon. That'll do it for us tonight. He's Jack Borman. I'm Luke Inman on Twitter, at Luke underscore Spinman. Until next time, signing out.